This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am your teacher, Jeremy Myers. Today we're looking at Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Jonah's school of evangelism. How do you evangelize? Do you use tracts, go door to door? (laughs) Do you invite people to church so they can hear your pastor preach a sermon on evangelism? Maybe you invite them to, you know, a crusade, an evangelism crusade, use the Romans road maybe? (laughs) I hope you're not one of those people who stand on the street corner and shout in a bullhorn, wear one of those sandwich board signs, condemns people to hell unless they repent, but uh, some Christians do that. Talk a little bit more about that later in today's episode. Today we're going to see how Jonah shared the message of God to the people of Nineveh. We're going to see that Jonah's approach to proclaiming God's message leaves much to be desired. (laughs) If you want to learn how to evangelize, uh, today's the podcast episode for you. Also, I invite you to take my course on the gospel. Uh, My course, The Gospel According to Scripture, teaches you what the gospel is and also how to share it with other people. Uh, It's available to people who join my online discipleship group. And you can visit redeeminggod.com slash join to learn more and pick the group the level which is right for you. Only the faith, hope, and love levels allow you access to the courses. Okay? So, see you there. And uh, let's get on with our study of Jonah 3.4, see what we can learn from Jonah about how not to evangelize. So far in chapter 3, we've seen that God gave Jonah a second chance to go to Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that God gave him. So last time in Jonah 3, 3, we learned that Jonah went to Nineveh, 500-mile journey. And we also saw, remember, that it would have taken about three days to travel up and down every street within the city, proclaiming God's message to it. All right, so with that sort of in mind, we read in verse 4, it says, Jonah began to go into the city walking for one day. He cried out saying, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. So verse 4 says, Jonah began to go into the city and then uh, preach to it, proclaim God's message to it. Now, uh, some believe that that Jonah's obedience here is a sign that Jonah has repented and he is finally obeying God. I suppose in one sense, it is true that Technically, Jonah repents and obeys. Uh, Repentance, uh, if you've read some of my books, or I I talk about this in my gospel dictionary course in in the discipleship area, repentance is when a person is headed in one direction towards disobedience and rebellion against God, and then they make a 180-degree turn and they start heading the other direction, and they start obeying God, okay? You're going one direction, about face, and now you're going the opposite direction. Well, so technically that is what Jonah does. In chapter 1, God says, go east, but Jonah went west in rebellion. So finally, in in, uh, verse 3, he went went east, 
the way God wanted, so I so suppose technically that's, re- <laughs> that's repentance. Uh, but the thing is, is repentance is more than just obedience. True repent- repentance also includes a change in heart, a willingness to obey, not just, you know, stubborn obedience, something like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm just not sure that the text really reveals Jonah willingly obeying God. Uh, he does obey, but his heart is not in it. Uh, he obeys, but it's with a half-hearted obedience. And, and how do we know that? <laughs> because of what we see here in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. All right. So in, in verse 3, we saw that it was a three days journey to walk throughout Nineveh, to, basically to visit every part, walk up every street, visit every street corner, uh, every city block of the city. Three days it would have taken to do that. Okay. Here in verse 4, we see that Jonah walked into the city for one day. Uh, This isn't because Jonah was short on time. He wanted to get out before the judgment of God came. We see later in the verse that uh, the message God gave to Jonah was that Nineveh had 40 days. (laughs) And it only would have taken three days to walk everywhere in the city. But Jonah gave one day. From a, again, legalistic perspective, you know, that looks for loopholes in the law and does the bare minimum of what God we want and doesn't doesn't fulfill the spirit of the law, minimum requirements, right? Did Jonah do what God asked? Well, yes. God told him to go to Nineveh, preach the message he gave him to Nineveh, and uh, it it does appear. It, it, It doesn't appear that God told Jonah how long he should preach, only that he should preach, and here's what he should preach. So Jonah says, fine. I'll do it. I'll go to Nineveh. I'll walk into the city for one day and I'll I'll preach. So, I I mean, really, legalistically, surface level, is this obedience? Well, yes. But is it true obedience? Is it really what God wanted? Is this repentance? The answer is clearly no. All right. Jonah continues to be the only person in the entire text who is blatantly and willfully rebelling, wronging, refusing to do what God wants, refusing to repent. Um, and another sign, by the way, here that Jonah is only doing the bare minimum is this message that he preached. His message is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Okay. Uh, it's eight words in the English I just read, but it's only five words in Hebrew. Now the, the text is unclear regarding how often Jonah announced his message. The text just says, Jonah traveled one day into the city and proclaimed his message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. All right, so so does that mean that Jonah spent one day, you know, walking around the city, you know, and, and the entire time he is walking around, he's preaching? Or does this mean that Jonah walked around silently all day long and then near the end of the day proclaimed his message one time and one time only and then walked out of the city. Uh, I'm personally inclined, I'm sort of hopeful, that Jonah had enough integrity to at least proclaim his message multiple time, at times as he walked around the city that day. But look, the, the, the book of Jonah has been sadly humorous all the way throughout, showing just how the, the character of Jonah. Uh, and it seems most likely that despite my hope, that despite, that despite the, my wish that Jonah had some integrity here, uh, it seems most likely that Jonah really did. He walked into the city for one day 
He looked around for a place to preach, found a spot, some desolate street corner, who knows where he went. Maybe it was the busy marketplace. I just don't know. Anyway, when he found it, proclaimed his five-word sermon one time and one time only, and then left. Doesn't that sort of seem to fit the character of Jonah that we've seen? I found several commentaries who said that that is indeed the way the Hebrew reads best here. He walks in. He has 40 days. It would have taken three days to walk around the city, but Jonah only walked in one day, proclaimed his five-word sermon one time, and then walked out. So, um, look, and other commentaries agree, disagree with that, and they have some arguments, but I do think that that understanding fits the character of Jonah best. All right. Oh, also, some commentaries think uh, that Jonah even preached his message in Hebrew. Remember, I, I don't know what... They would have the, the people of of Nineveh wouldn't have spoken Hebrew. Most of them, they would have spoken Assyrian language, whatever that is. I don't even know. Uh, but uh, Jonah, Jonah here. Some of these commentaries seem say that Jonah Jonah's sermon was even taught to the people of of Assyria in a foreign language. <laughs> so uh, again, um, look, Jonah. The, the message of Jonah here to the people of Nineveh is even less than what Jonah told the sailors on that ship in Jonah chapter 1. Uh, Jonah at least told the sailors something about himself and the God he worshipped. Now, a lot of it was incorrect, uh, but Jonah doesn't share, appear to share any details whatsoever with the people of Nineveh. He seems to make his message as vague and as blunt, as offensive as he possibly can. Right? Maybe Jonah thinks that by providing a bare minimum message, the people of Nineveh, right, they're not going to hear, they're not going to respond, they will continue in their wicked ways and they will be destroyed. Jonah does the absolute bare minimum that God asks him to do. Right? Look, even if you take a more generous approach to this, it's clear that Jonah doesn't preach for the full 40 days. He only preaches for three, okay? The most generous approach here is that Jonah spends three days walking around the city proclaiming this message. You know, maybe even he expands. Okay, that's the most generous approach. I don't think it's the most straightforward uh, uh, way of reading the text. But, but, but even, even if you go with that approach, Jonah only spends three days, not the full 40. So Jonah clearly doesn't care. Either way you take it, Jonah doesn't care too much about the people of the city of Nineveh. So while Jonah is obeying the letter of the law, he's definitely not fulfilling the spirit of the law. I mean, he's technically obeying God, right? God said, go to Nineveh and preach. So Jonah says, fine, go to Nineveh and preach. But he's revealing a heart that is hardened towards the people of Nineveh. He's obeying God, but he still wants to see Nineveh destroyed. In fact, it seems that Jonah obeys God in a way that almost assures that the Nineveh, Ninevites will not respond. He's done the bare minimum to obey God. All right? And then he walks out of the city. You can almost picture Jonah as he leaves the city saying, you know, mumbling under his breath to God, fine, God, I did it. Hope you're happy. <laughs> right? And then he, he glances at the, the city of Nineveh as he walks up the hill. You know, he's going to go up the hill outside of Nineveh to watch the fireworks. That's what we're going to learn. That's what he wants to do. He wants to see the city burn. So, you know, he's, he's mumbling to God, fine, God, I did it. I did what you asked. Meanwhile, he's looking at Nineveh and under his breath, he's probably saying, I hope you burn. I can't wait to see you burn. Right? And that's Jonah 3, 4. So the question is, is how will the people of Nineveh respond to this half-hearted obedience of Jonah? 
Earlier in the story, we saw that sailors respond fairly positively to this terrible message that Jonah gave to them. And the question is, uh, well, now we have even less of a message given to the people of Nineveh. Are they going to respond positively? The biggest question, though, is what is Jonah going to do now that he has sort of done what God asked? And all these questions are begin, we find answers to them beginning in the next verse, Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, which we'll look at next time. But as, as we close out our study today, I just wonder if there's something we can learn from Jonah's uh, message here, his preaching, about how we Christians evangelize, how we share the message of the gospel with other people. Uh, I, I fear that sometimes we Christians follow Jonah's example. Right? We know God wants us to share the message of love and grace and mercy with people we hate, but we're not too happy about it. It's sort of a silly example for myself. Many years ago, I tried to evangelize, I put that in quotes, quote-unquote evangelize, a person who had soundly defeated me in a tennis match. I should have beaten him. I was way better than him. Uh, but I, I played the worst match of my entire life. I got beaten 6-0, 6-1, um, which is basically I got skunked. So uh, anyway, as I approached the net, I used to, back then, I don't do this anymore, but I used to carry around these little Bible tracks in my tennis bag. And, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would, I would share the gospel with my opponents in my tennis match. I just don't do that anymore. But actually, I don't even play tennis anymore. <laughs> uh, long story there. Uh, I would like to. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Anyway, so with this guy, he, he beats me 6-0-6-1. And I'm just upset because I should have beaten him. It was a tournament. So as I approached the net... Uh, I, to shake hands with my victorious opponent, right? I went over there and I, I grabbed one of these gospel tracks out of my bag, okay? And as I shook his hand, I said, good job. Read this or you'll go to hell. <laughs> uh, and then I walked off. Yeah, that right there is Jonah's school of evangelism at work, right? That's Jonah's way. Bare minimum with the most offensive message possible with the hopes that they're so offended they actually do the opposite of what God wanted you to do or what God wants them to do. And sometimes, though, we Christians, we, we evangelize this way, right? When I was attending college, uh, it was a state university, secular university, so it wasn't, it was quite a common occurrence. Maybe if you've attended state colleges, campuses, state university, you've seen this. We have these Christians come on campus with their bullhorns. And their sandwich board signs, and the sandwich board signs list all the sins that college students like to commit. Drunkenness, sexual immorality, liars, thieves, these sorts of things. List them all on there. And basically they said, all you sinners are headed for hell, you know, unless you repent. And they talk about the fire and the flames and the torture. And uh, that's, that's this, these groups of Christians, that's the, the way they think they're supposed to evangelize. I once made the mistake as a student trying to uh, engage these you know, quote-unquote evangelists, saying, you know, this isn't really reflective of God's mercy, God's grace, or even the evangelism methods of Jesus. And, and this whole thing about fire and hell and burning and torture, I'm just not so... Anyway, um, I quickly learned not to engage these sorts of Christians in arguments or debates because all it accomplished was them uh, calling me many names, <laughs> Uh, heretic, blasphemer, mouthpiece of Satan, uh, leading people astray, that sorts of thing. So, uh, you know, um, honestly, you know what? If, if these sorts of evangelists were going to follow, uh, you know, are, 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 if they were going to preach such a message of condemnation and hate, I actually wish they would follow the example of Jonah 
make their announcement once in another language that nobody understands and then and then go on somewhere else. <laughs> that would be better. Um, this this sin-based, hellfire, preaching, confrontational form of evangelism, it actually does more harm than good. Uh, it's not even based on truth. It's definitely not loving. Okay? But the thing is, is, uh, you know, those forms of evangelism, my, to the, in, in that tennis match, um, they're, they're not loving, but I, I think that some of the more common ways we Christians evangelize today are also not very loving. Sometimes, just one example, you know, um, I don't know, going door to door, some people do it. I, I've, done it my, I've done that myself in the past, but, you know, sometimes the way this is done is we're interrupting people at their dinner, or sometimes when people come door to door and knock on my door, you know, I'm out in the driveway or mowing my lawn and all they're doing is interrupting the work that I'm trying to do. And I sometimes want to say to them, you know, if you really wanted to be helpful rather than interrupt the work I'm doing, maybe you could put down your Bibles in your bags, take off your ties and, and come help me mow my lawn, come help me do my yard work. Something like that. And then maybe I will be more open to listening to you while you're standing here taking up my time. Um, sometimes we think evangelism is just inviting people to church. Well, uh, church is good and helpful. I've written an awful lot about church. Um, I, I believe it's important to be involved in church, involved in fellowship, all of that, okay? Uh, but I sometimes think that, you know, you take a, your neighbor, who's a single mother of three who's working two jobs, just to try to pay the rent, put food on the table for her, her kids, uh, frankly, I'm not sure that sitting in a pew for two hours on Sunday morning is the best thing she can be doing with her time. So maybe not the most loving thing for you to invite her to church. Uh, maybe someone needs to offer to fix her car so she can get to work. Uh, mow her lawn so she doesn't have to. Mm, you know, maybe rather than ask her to come to church, you can take the church to her. You can be the church to her. You can serve her and love her. Uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus to her and help meet her needs where she's at. Maybe that would be the more loving form of evangelism. Look, the point is, and there's an awful lot about evangelism that we could talk about, and I'm not trying to get off track on this, but I just sometimes think that sometimes we Christians are like Jonah. We just don't do a very good job of sharing the message that God gave us to share with them. Uh, sometimes we think that evangelism is just about words, but it isn't. Evangelism is maybe more about showing people the love of Jesus, serving them like Jesus. Look, uh, if, you, if you want to evangelize like Jesus instead of like Jonah, uh, there's so many things I, I could say. Um, Look, I've written a book on it, Church is More Than Bodies, Bucks and Bricks. It has an entire section on evangelism, which you can take or you can read. It looks like some, uh, looks at some of the modern evangelistic practices, suggests maybe a few others you want to take. That book's available on Amazon, Church is More Than Bodies, Bucks and Bricks. Also, I have a lot of free resources on my blog, website about it, even some uh, email, free, 100% free email courses you can take. These are courses that will come to you. Once or twice a week by email, straight to your email inbox. A couple series called uh, like Loving Your Neighbors, How to Love Your Neighbors. Another one on Serving the Homeless and the Poor. You might find those helpful. Uh, and those series of emails, by the way, completely free to anyone who joins my online discipleship group. You, even if you join the, the free grace level, I will uh, let you know about those email, those email sequences that you can get sent to your email inbox. 
And of course, they do have the online courses like uh, the Gospel According to Scripture. It defines the gospel, spends a lot of time talking about grace, God's grace, love, mercy, forgiveness towards us, and how we can share this, show this, tangibly show this to other people as well, and share the gospel with them with acts of love and service, not just with words. Anyway, if some of these things are interesting to you, uh, I invite you to join my discipleship group. Go to redeeminggod.com slash join. Uh, whether you join or not, though, I hope that unlike Jonah, you share the message of God's love and grace with others in a loving and gracious way. Go overboard on love and grace. Don't, don't skimp. God's love and grace is an infinite ocean, okay? And so you're not going to drain it dry. Don't attend Jonah's school of evangelism, saying the bare minimum in the meanest possible way, right? And attend the school of evangelism of Jesus instead. Uh, you, know, you know what the amazing thing is, though? God's going to use Jonah's message of evangelism. God can use anything. And uh, so next time we're going to see that. So we look up uh, in Jonah 3, verse 5. The surprising response of the Ninevites to Jonah's terrible evangelistic strategy. So uh, join me then. And until then, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads. We'll see you next time as we look at Jonah 3, 5.